Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 21, titled The Last Sam Weiss. Alright, so we're continuing to dive into this epic three-part finale arc of Fringe Season 3. Uh, it continues to be both absolutely incredible and very emotionally exhausting in the best possible way. Man, I, I told you, it it does not get any less heavy. <laughs> it really doesn't. It just gets heavier and heavier as this arc goes on. Uh... The lead-in to this episode, I have written in my notes as, everything sucks. Because <laughs> that's pretty much where we're at at the beginning of this episode. Machine's on, it's not accepting Peter, Peter's unconscious, uh, has all this head trauma, Walter's real sad. Also, literal apocalypse happening? Like, let's not overlook that. Very, very big detail. Uh, it's now graduated to just random strikes of lightning. Everywhere. Like, there's just dry lightning storms. Lightning strikes happening inside of buildings. And it's... Insane. Like, it's just getting worse. Nothing is getting better. So we have all of this madness to deal with. And much like the last episode, there's kind of a few different plot lines I want to get into before we bring it all together at the very, very end. So first off, let's talk about what Walter and Astrid are doing. Uh, Because after Astrid convinces Walter to leave the hospital to, you know, deal with the end of the world. (laughs) After we have that great moment when... Astrid's like, hey, Peter would not want you to sit here and do nothing. Uh, We see all the burn victims from the lightning storms. uh, And Walter is like, yeah, I I, I have no more ideas. I can't think of anything. I even went so far as to ask God for help, and he did nothing. And Astrid's like, hey, Walter, God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. And we then go from that to... Okay, we're investigating now these lightning storms, and Walter flies a kite. Walter flies a kite and gets struck by lightning twice, which by the laws of this universe, I guess now means he's immortal? I mean, we definitely have an episode establishing that. Don't know if that's going to ever become a thing. Don't know if that's ever really going to, uh, in any way matter, but, I don't know. I mean, look, William Bell told us there is a 50-50 chance it was just flat out, like, destiny of having to save the people on the train, so, Walter gets struck by lightning and his immortality never gets called into question, then we might have have our answer. Uh, anyway, Walter gets struck by lightning twice, 
and realizes that the missing factor that they're not accounting for is repetition. Repetition of lightning strikes, repetition of uh, seismic events, and all this stuff. And when you factor in the repetition, the spots where things are happening multiple times, lightning is striking multiple times, seismic activity is happening multiple times, all of that, uh, radiation spiking multiple times, you get this very clear line between where the machine is located and Liberty Island. And as Walter demonstrates to Broyles with, like, these metal filings and magnets, like this middle school demonstration, basically, the events are clustering around both machines. Where the machine is in this universe and where the machine is on the other side. The machine's essentially, well, it's basically literally a lightning rod <laughs> in, this, in this instance for these types of events. And they are most intense around those areas and in between those areas. So, if they were to take our machine and put it exactly where the other side's machine is, exactly in that same spot, then the damage would be contained. It wouldn't stop anything, but it would buy some more time uh, for Peter to come out of this pseudo-coma he's in, for Olivia to figure out how to disable this force field that the vacuum put up around itself, uh, for some more permanent solution to, to come up. And yeah... Like, it would be a little bit more intense, well, okay, a lot more intense, around Liberty Island, but it would be contained. It would be contained to a single area. Or at least the worst of it would be contained. Uh, it wouldn't be up and down the eastern seaboard like it has been up until this point. And so they move the machine to Liberty Island. Meanwhile... Peter's awake. While Walter and Astro are dealing with this whole thing, Peter wakes up. Uh, he's got some memory troubles, and he's just sort of wandering around. Uh, he goes to New York, takes a cab to New York from Massa frickin' Chusets. Cool. Why not? Takes a cab to New York. Goes to a pawn shop and buys a silver half dollar. Then goes to Liberty Island and is like, Hey, uh, I need to speak to my father. The Secretary of Defense. And Peter's mind is just sort of scrambled and weird. And he's sort of got this confusion surrounding which universe he's in, basically. And... He comes out of this fog once Walter and Olivia show up, and they're reunited more on that later. Uh, the confusion is very, very temporary, but that is a, definitely a thing that happens, and it's, uh, it's interesting to watch Peter just go around, like, being like, What? What is happening? What's going on? What is this? What is, what, what, what's, what is this? I don't, what? But, 
the big thing, the big plot line that goes throughout this episode is Olivia teaming up with Sam Weiss to try and figure out how to get the machine to accept Peter. Uh, Basically, Sam Weiss comes in and figures out that the vacuum's essentially hot-wired. Someone on the other side, Walternet, basically tricked it into thinking that Peter was already inside when really he wasn't. Now, we don't know it was from a blood sample from his kid that definitely exists... But we know that he th- that it was hotwired somehow. Now apparently there is a crowbar. There is a thing that in case the machine malfunctions, in case the vacuum malfunctions, can be found and can be used to Jimmy it open essentially. And so we go on the hunt for this crowbar. Uh, we have to find a box and we have to find a key. Uh, we find the box in this little tomb deal, whatever. And we find the key in this museum. And this entire adventure, Olivia goes on with Sam Weiss. What I really like is that Sam Weiss has kind of developed more as a character. Uh, we find out that apparently uh, he is not the first Sam Weiss. Uh, there have been many Sam Weisses before him. All dedicated to the first people books and to the vacuum and all that. There have been many, 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 many uh, generations in this line that have all passed on their knowledge from one to the next to the next to the next. And This kind of informs a lot of what we see from Sam Weiss in this episode. We kind of see him as this man trying to live up to the legacy of his ancestors. And sort of feeling the weight of like, this is what his father and his father's father and his father's father's father and his father's 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 father. This is what they all were preparing for. Generations of knowledge have been bestowed upon him and he's constantly questioning like, Is this the right thing to do? Is this the right way to go about this? Should I be interfering? Should I even be involved in this? Maybe this is a cosmic hiccup that'll write itself. Like, I, like, and it's really, really great. It's really amazing to see these deeper layers to Sam Weiss as a character, who up until this point has just been a weird Yoda character, (laughs) essentially. Uh, and, of course, that museum sequence is excellent. That museum sequence is freaking phenomenal. Uh, the lightning strikes in the building. Uh, the door is closing when the alarm shows up. Uh, <laughs> Sam Weiss uses his sick bowling skills to keep the door open. <laughs> and I love his little quip of, like, what? I, I work at a bowling alley. <laughs> oh, also, leading into the museum sequence... There's that moment when Olivia's meeting with the museum director, and she does, like, the Olivia Dunham, FBI, and the woman's like, uh, such and such, museum director. And then Sam Weiss just pulls out his wallet and goes, Sam Weiss, patron member since 82. (laughs) And everyone just looks at him like, what are you doing, buddy? (laughs) Why are you here? (laughs) What is this? You're just some guy who runs a bowling alley and magically knows the secrets of the universe. What the hell? <laughs> uh, but after all of this, 
They use the key, they open the box, and in it is this scroll. With a drawing of Olivia Dunham. Yup, just like Peter, Olivia Dunham is somehow attached to the machine. How is she attached to the machine? No clue. But she is. And it only makes this a bigger question mark. It only makes this weirder. So now we have to interpret this. We have to interpret this. Uh, Walter actually folds the paper in on itself and is able to figure out that what's being depicted in the picture is Olivia using brainwaves to, manipul- to manipulate the machine uh, with telekinesis. Uh, similar abilities she displayed with David Robert Jones uh, to turn off all the lights and whatever. And so, Olivia has to access this cortexafan ability. Olivia has to access this ability in her brain and use it. To drop the force field and get Peter in. And we have this great sequence. This great subplot where she's trying to test out her skills on that quantum typewriter. Trying to... Because also, as if uh, controlling something as complex as the vacuum wasn't enough. She's also got to control the one on the other side. Because that's the one that's actually on-on. That's the one she has to turn off the force field on. So there's that. (laughs) So that's a thing. In case this wasn't hard enough. And she's trying to, like, use her cortex-fan abilities to control the quantum typewriter. Control the typewriter on the other side uh, and type out a phrase on this typewriter. She fails. Over and over and over and over and over again. Walter is trying to tell her, like, look, the potential is there. You can do it. Like, you don't fail. Like, you have to believe that you can do it. And Olivia just keeps doubting herself and doubting herself and doubting herself and doubting herself and doubting herself. And it isn't until we get all the way to Liberty Island and we reunite with Peter Bishop that it works. That it starts to work from afar, and the typewriter starts to type out over and over and over and over and over again, be a better man than your father. And this is the final deal of like, okay, Olivia can do this. And so it happens. Olivia and Peter were finally ready-ish. They go in. Olivia uses her cortexafan abilities, takes, uh, uh, turns off the machine on the other side, turns off the force field on the other side. Peter then goes up and uh, gets in the machine. All of this is drawn out so long, by the way. <laughs> like, damn these writers. They- I remember the first time I watched this, I was so invested. Because by this point, I already knew, like, I loved everything about this show. At this point, I was already so invested in everything that was happening. 
And I was just leaning in like, oh my god, this is what they've been leaning towards. This is what they've been leaning towards for an entire season. Plus, actually, like, oh, this is gonna, this is the thing, this is gonna thing, do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. And they just drew it out so long. Uh, they have Peter walking up so slowly. They keep having, like, flashes to different things with Peter and Olivia because this is underscoring, like, their love and all that. Like, and it just went so long and I was just like, get to the thing! <laughs> like, I remember being so annoyed at how long this was drawn out. Like, the anticipation was killing me. Uh, Peter finally gets into the machine and he wakes up in a big, horrible wreckage. Significantly older. In the future. Being rescued by Fringe Division. Um. 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 So that happened. Uh. Peter's in the future now. That's, that's where the machine sent him. That's where the vacuum sent him. Um, yeah, that's where we're at now. See you next week, everybody. (laughs) Like, holy crap, there's so much I need to say. There's so much I want to say. I will shut up until the finale. Suffice it to say, there's a lot going on here (laughs) like I said this does not get any less heavy uh yeah yeah get ready for the most insane goddamn ending ever I'll just say that much anyway uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple. It's just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's the work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 22, the season finale. Talk to you then.